The Chess Machine by Robert Lohr Translated from the German by Anthea Bell Narrated by Stephen Hoy Copyright 2005 by Robert Lohr Translation Copyright 2007 by Anthea Bell This unabridged audiobook is published by arrangement with Penguin Press, a member of Penguin Group, USA, Inc., and was produced in the year 2007 by Tantor Media, Incorporated, which holds the copyright thereto. Chapter 1 Neuchâtel, 1783 On the way from Vienna to Paris, with his family, Wolfgang von Kempelen stopped in Neuchâtel, where on the 11th of March, 1783, at the inn on the marketplace, he presented his legendary chess machine, an android in Turkish robes that could play chess. The Swiss did not give Kempeland and his Turk a warm welcome. The automaton makers of the Principality of Neuchâtel, after all, were considered the best in the world, and now along came an imperial civil servant from the Hungarian provinces, a man who built clockwork devices just as a hobby, not for a living, and who had successfully taught his automaton to think. An intelligent machine. An apparatus consisting of springs, cogwheels, cables, and cylinders that had beaten almost all its human opponents at the game of kings. Compared to Kempelin's extraordinary chess machine, the Neuchatel automata were merely outsized clockwork toys, a frivolous amusement for noblemen with more money than was good for them. In spite of local resentment, however, the chess-playing automaton's performance was sold out. Those who could not get seats had to watch standing behind the rows of chairs. The people of Neuchâtel wanted to see how this miracle of technology worked. Secretly, they were hoping that Kempelen was a fraud, and that under their expert scrutiny the most brilliant invention of the century would turn out to be an ordinary conjuring trick. But Kempelen frustrated their hopes. When, with a confident smile, he showed them the internal arrangements of the device at the beginning of the performance— all that could be seen was its mechanism, and when that mechanism was wound up and the Turk began playing chess, it did so with the unmistakable movements of a machine. The Neuchatel patriots had to acknowledge that Kempelen was nothing short of a genius in the field of mechanics. The Turk defeated its first two opponents, the mayor and the president of the Neuchatel Chess Club, in a humiliatingly short space of time. Then Kempelen asked for a volunteer to play the third and last game of the day. A few minutes passed before anyone finally offered. Kempelen and the audience looked around for the volunteer, but he could be seen only when he emerged along the path cleared for him as the spectators moved aside, for the man was so small that he came only just above waist level of the others present. Wolfgang von Kempelen took a step back and put one hand on the chess cabinet for support. The sight of the dwarf had visibly shaken him, and he went as pale as if he had seen a ghost. Gottfried Neumann, for such was the dwarf's name, was a watchmaker himself, and had come to Neuchâtel from neighboring La Chauffonde, especially to see the mechanical Turk play. The dwarf's hair was black with a few strands of silver-gray, tied back in a Prussian queue at the nape of his neck, and his eyes were chestnut-brown like the eyes of the chess-playing Turk. His expression was severe, his forehead seemed naturally furrowed, and the dark brows above his eyes might have been frowning since his birth. 
He was about the height of a six-year-old boy, but clearly stronger. It was as if too much body had been fitted into too little skin. He wore a close-fitting dark green coat tailored to his special measurements and had a silk cravat around his neck. A murmur filled the hall as Neumann approached Kemplin. None of the audience had ever seen Neumann play chess. The president of the chess club asked for other volunteers, men known to be good chess players, hoping that the automaton might yet be forced into a draw, but he was hissed down. Yes, the Turk had proved itself unbeatable, but at least a match between a machine and a dwarf would be well worth watching. Kempelin did not pull out the chair for the little watchmaker as he had for his two predecessors. Like them, Neumann sat at a separate table with a separate chessboard, leaving the audience a clear view of the Turk. Kempelin waited until the dwarf was seated, then cleared...